0: Welcome to P.S. Editors Podcast, where we engage P.S. contributors and other experts on some of the day's most pressing issues. I'm Greg Bruno, an associate editor at Project Syndicate in Prague. Today, we're talking taxes. In the run-up to last week's Senate passage of the Republicans' controversial tax plan, Donald Trump's White House was doing a lot of selling, Invoking the Reagan-era tax cuts of the 1980s, the administration claimed the overhaul will help businesses of all size prosper, cut taxes for the middle class, and simplify the tax system for everyone. Today's guest has some serious problems with that rosy assessment. Jeffrey Frankel, a professor at Harvard University's Kennedy School of Government, served as a member of President Bill Clinton's Council of Economic Advisors. He is also a research associate at the U.S. National Bureau of Economic Research. Let's give him a call. Hi, Jeffrey. Hi. Thanks for joining us here on PS Editor's podcast today.
1: Very pleased to be with you. Uh,
0: So let's get right to the conversation. We're talking taxes today. Um, One only needed to look at the angry scowls of Democratic senators to grasp the sense of partisan outrage inspired by the recently passed Senate tax bill. But the fact is, the details of this piece of legislation are changing almost daily, and leaders from both the House and the Senate will have to craft a compromise to deliver to the president. So, given that, perhaps we can focus on criteria. What, in your view, are some of the characteristics that tax reform efforts should be judged by?
1: Well, that's a good way of uh, of of framing the question. I, I would list five criteria that should be used to judge this or any other. Uh, Bill that purports to be tax reform. Briefly, uh, number one is fiscal responsibility. Number two is equity or uh, income distribution. Number three is uh, efficiency for the uh, economy. Number four is process. And number five is timing.
0: Now, perhaps we can break down uh, a, a bit more when you when you say fiscal responsibility, uh, equity, efficiency, and, and again, um, not having the full details um, uh, of what the final piece of legislation will say. It's difficult to get into real specifics, but maybe let's start with process. Um, I was humored, I suppose, to see some of the viral videos that Democratic senators were posting within an hour before signing the legislation uh, or voting on the legislation, excuse me, uh, suggesting that half the notes or some of the notes were handwritten and the process just seemed to be a little bit broken to say the least.
1: Yeah, well, uh, that, uh, handwritten, handwritten notes and the fact that the, uh, the democratic senators had gotten those, uh, Versions of the bill, not from their fellow uh, colleagues, their uh, fellow uh, senators and congressmen, but rather from uh, lobbyists uh, on, on K Street who had been uh, shown that the, uh, the, the the most recent drafts by the uh, Republicans in the in, in the in the Congress. It's pretty outrageous. I mean, the process ha- has been outrageous. Uh, clearly, this uh, bill f- flunks uh, the criterion of bipartisanship. Um, uh, and the 1986 uh, tax reform, which I'd like to harken back to, uh, was bipartisan. Not, not every tax bill is. Uh, we, we can't ask for that. There are times when the other party just you know, votes against you. And even if you try to reach out to them, you're you, you you're unwilling to make enough concessions ultimately to get uh, uh, their votes, or they're just unwilling to support you no matter what. I'm thinking, for example, of uh, Obama's uh, fiscal stimulus in, in 2009. Uh, so we can't ask of that, of every uh, tax reform uh, effort. But we, we've never seen anything like this in terms of not even making an, any attempt to, to Keep the Democrats informed. Not holding any hearings. Not allowing enough time for the for uh, agencies, either uh, inside the government or uh, independent, uh, the expert think tanks to uh, to evaluate what's in the what's in the bill. We've never seen anything like it in terms of process.
0: I mean, you you just mentioned the the Reagan era cut in '86, and you've written about the comparisons between '81 and '86. Trump himself has hearkened back to that. Uh, period of tax cuts uh, as, as something um, I think you're writing in, in USA Today that he hoped that his plan um, would emulate. Walk us through that comparison, um, you know, the, the, the difference between 81 and 86, uh, but also the suggestion uh, that that's kind of the goal or, or something that, that the proposal being supported by the Trump White House is looking to emulate.
1: Well, I think it really is worth looking back on the history, particularly the the nineteen eighties. Uh, uh, Trump has tried to invoke uh, Reagan's "Morning in America," and uh, Lord knows he could use a little bit of leavening. I mean, mostly uh, Trump is, you know, it's insult and anger, and and uh, we, we were, we've always been told that uh, that Reagan's kind of sunny optimism plays. Uh, plays better. But if you're trying to harken back to the Reagan tax uh, reforms of the 1980s, it matters very much which tax bills you're talking about. Because uh, to take the two most important ones, as you say, 1981 and 1986, it's just like night, night and day. 1986 tax reform was, uh, in many ways, a model of what tax reform should be. Like it was fiscally responsible Um, in terms of equity, it it put uh, working Americans' uh, families uh, ahead of corporations. For example, it expanded the earned income tax credit, just to take uh, one example. And, and, uh, you know, in order to pay for low uh, marginal tax rates for families, it it, uh, rescinded some of the corporate uh, income tax cuts to stay within the the overall fiscal constraint. Um, It promoted uh, efficiency uh, by keeping. Uh, rates low and eliminating some distortionary deductions that's what you really want to do broaden the base um, but not lose revenue in terms of process it was uh, deliberate stretched out over two years and it was bipartisan passed with bipartisan support and uh, in terms of uh, the the timing uh, it was uh, it it, it was fine if the current tax uh, reform uh, effort was uh, anything like that, <laughs> uh, that'd be great, but it just isn't. It, right. it, it couldn't, couldn't be more different. It hmm. does not. The current effort does not even deserve the word reform on it. Instead, it's the other one you mentioned, the 1981 tax cuts uh, that uh, I think this effort most uh, resembles. So fiscally irresponsible, huge tax cuts, uh, no way to uh, pay for it, and justified by the same kind of... Uh, uh, discredited logic that, uh, we can cut tax rates and somehow that won't hurt the, the budget deficit, which, uh, n- n- no reputable economist su- mm. supports. Um, in terms of equity, of course, in 1981, tax cuts were tax cuts, uh, for the, for the rich, like the ones today. Um, in terms of, uh, efficiency, it, 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 introduced all kinds of distortions and made the tax code more complicated. In terms of, uh, process, it was, uh, not bipartisan. Um, actually, in terms of timing, the timing wasn't bad, because uh, at least in uh, 1981, that was as we were going into recession, and we needed some fiscal stimulus, so so uh, on that criterion it, it passed, uh, but the current one does not.
0: But why is the timing not good now?
1: Um, the timing is not good now for uh, three different reasons. One is, is is cyclical. We're pretty much at full employment, 4.1% uh, unemployment. Uh Unemployment was uh, more than double that in 1981 uh, with the Reagan tax cuts, um, or for that matter, in uh, 2009 with the Obama fiscal stimulus. Um, but when unemployment is down to 4.1%, and there, there are firms uh, looking to hire workers that can't find the ones that have the skills they need. And there's danger of overheating. And the Federal Reserve is about to raise interest rates because uh, uh, the economy is against its uh, full employment constraints and they're worried about overheating. So in a cyclical criteria, this is not the time to be cutting taxes. Then there's the demographics. Baby boom generation now is retiring at a rate of about 10000 per day. That means uh, that uh, spending on Social Security and Medicare from here on out are just going uh, straight. Up, 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 um, and we should be saving, uh, running. We should be running a surplus, really, in the in the budget at this stage in our demographic uh, cycle uh, to to prepare for these widening deficits in Social Security and Medicare. And the third respect in which the timing is terrible and much worse than the Reagan tax cuts is the level of the debt. When Reagan took office, the debt was. Uh, Two two and a half percent of GDP, and in the '70s had mostly been lower than that. Partly because of the big increase in debt that happened while he was in office, but but it's also continued subsequently. Uh, the, the national debt is today in I'm talking about national debt in the hands of the public is 76 percent of uh, uh, GDP, um, or you know 20 trillion dollars. If you want to make it sound even worse, but but as per share of the economy, it's it's tripled. So. Uh, We can't uh, really afford uh, a big tax cut uh, with a big uh, loss in the the budget uh, deficit at this particular time.
0: So that begs the obvious uh, question of why. You know, I was reading today that the topic itself is deeply unpopular with the American public. You know, and there are, there are, I suppose, questions as to what the GOP is hoping to achieve with this overhaul now. Is this about uh, politics in 2018 and shoring up a base? Um, or is it about something entirely different?
1: Well, I don't really uh, claim to understand the thinking of uh, the Republican Party, uh, even just on straight politics. I mean, I'm cynical enough to say it's straight politics, and yet I still don't understand it. What everyone says, and certainly the Republicans themselves say, is that they have to have a major legislative achievement to show for uh, the year 2017, which, after all, is a year in which they're controlling all the branches of uh, government, and they can no longer blame any, any uh failures on uh, on the Democrats up until recently uh, it was repeal of Affordable Care Act uh, is the thing that they're going to have to show for it the big accomplishment Uh, now why uh, depriving 20 million Americans of uh, health insurance is you know something that is such a high priority there's the one thing that they thought they actually had to do I've never understood And then when they didn't succeed in doing that, although, by the way, one of the many complicated aspects of the ever changing uh, bill is that they may succeed in doing it through the back door, through the individual mandate. But um, but but even uh, let's let's accept that they uh, have failed to uh, repeal uh, Obamacare. So the the thinking is, therefore, they have to do this, have Mm -hmm. to have this massive tax cut for the rich. I I think you know it's pretty likely that it'll pass, and it's pretty likely that it'll hurt them. Uh, that uh, Americans do seem to be figuring out that, notwithstanding the endless rhetoric, and and uh, you know, one has to say, uh, m- uh, many of the statements from our president and our treasury secretary can't be described as anything other than lies. When they say this tax uh, bill does not, uh, many many of the ben- the main benefits don't go to the rich. I mean, that's just a, that's just a lie. Or that none of them go to the rich. When Trump says it'll hurt him personally, I mean, it, it helps the construction. Uh, CEOs uh, better more than any other uh, part of the uh, economy. And the idea that, that you know, you're going to eliminate the estate tax on the states over 10 million and then yet claim and do all these other things for the rich, like cutting corporate income taxes and on and on and on and yet claim that it doesn't benefit the rich. I mean, I just don't understand how you can say that. Anyway, American people seem finally, finally, finally to be figuring this out. And as you say, the polls show that it is unpopular, that they are, apparently they they, they do see through it. So this may really come back to bite the Republicans.
0: I mean, in terms of who it will hurt De- democratic governors in states like California and New York and New Jersey have already accused the the GOP and the Trump administration of using the tax code as a uh, partisan political cudgel uh, some of the projections suggests that uh, individual exemptions will will decrease and taxes will increase dramatically what's the risk of using the tax code as a partisan political weapon
1: well i mean it's 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 deplorable to uh coin a phrase um uh i I don't, I don't think that that'll scare off the base they're happy to do that and i don't i don't think there's any question that the reason that uh, deductibility of state and local taxes was singled out is because it it hits uh, blue states. So uh, you mentioned, and there's other aspects of that are in there like this. Um, I mean, it really goes after universities, and especially the the, the, the universities where the most important uh, you know research is done. Um, I mean, graduate students will have to start paying taxes on uh, their uh, you know if their if their tuition they get tuition waivers, uh, which is you know, pretty routine on a lot of universities because they can't, couldn't possibly pay the full tuition. That they have to pay taxable income on that, and and that's just uh, that'll cut their after-tax income in half, leave them almost with nothing to live on. It's, it's devastating, and they're taxing the uh, uh, the bill as it stands would uh, tax the endowments of the wealthiest universities. Now, I work for a wealthy university, so maybe I'm biased, but it is it does seem to be uh, another case of. Uh, Uh, just uh, very deliberately targeting a a sector, which even though it's beneficial for the uh, economy uh, is is perceived as being uh, uh, the the enemy um, in in, uh, political terms. But that may be popular, too. I don't think those are the things that are going to come back to to, to, to bite them with the uh, swing voters or, you know, those those uh, voters who were or have voted Democrat sometime in the past but voted for Trump this time. Those are the ones we really uh, uh, are going to determine the election.
0: Right, right. Well, you know, it's so much of this kind of seems like what we might refer to as GOP starve the beast tactics. You run up the deficit. Uh, with tax cuts for the rich, then, you know, in, in a certain amount of time, you, you, you look toward entitlement reform uh, to, to bring the, the budget back down to balance, um, and that hurts the poor and the middle class. Is, is that the trajectory that we're seeing here, do you think, if we're going to look down the road a few years?
1: Well, so I'm not sure. I mean, clearly this is going to have major effects. And the day after it passes, things are going to turn around completely. They're going to start worrying about the budget deficit, you know, after claiming that this would increase the budget deficit and that uh, that the tax cuts will pay for themselves. They'll turn on a dime and start uh, uh, worrying about, uh, claiming about we have to do things because of the uh, budget deficit um, and, uh, and and cutting spending. But, I mean, one thing about Star of the Beast uh, that I think people seem to miss is that when and we've been through this before. We went through it with Reagan. We went through it with George W. Bush. It's not as if the Republicans, when they say, start saying, "Oh, uh, uh, we've lost tax revenue and so we have to cut spending." It's not as if they actually ever propose a bill that cuts spending enough. To uh, restore uh, the, the, the you know the budget deficit to uh, to a fiscally responsible level, they always propose big increases in some areas, huge increases in defense and and increases in other areas, um, and you know they cut uh, foreign aid and they cut uh, uh, support for uh, you know uh, uh, public radio or TV or whatever things that are tiny, 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 and then the left plays it into their hands by saying, "Oh, don't kill Big Bird, we love Big Bird." Giving the giving the illusion that um, these tax cuts for these these uh, uh, priorities of, of the left that 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 that, that if they happened uh, that they would uh, uh, you know improve uh, restore budget balance and 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 that's you know red meat for the people on the right or the you know people out there in middle America who would like to cut foreign aid but they don't realize how small it is now Social Security and Medicare I don't know that's a big uh, question um it's it's uh the number of uh uh one theory is that's their goal uh and the uh um the speaker uh of the house has 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 said that but the pattern most often is it is that they don't that it's so unpopular uh to say you're going to cut social security and medicare is so unpopular that that uh uh, there, there, not that many Republican politicians uh, are willing to say it uh, explicitly. So I'm, I'm not so sure that
0: that's mm. in the cards. Right. Um, well, it's an interesting way to bring this kind of back full circle to look at what happened after the Reagan cut in 1981. Quite quickly as the deficit grew, uh, the Reagan White House realized or sought to roll back some of those cuts relatively quickly. Um is today's GOP tempting a, a similar type of outcome? Um, you know, and given the role, I suppose, of GOP mega donors in pushing this bill, is that something that that uh, the GOP can afford to backtrack on?
1: Well, uh, first to uh, address, you mentioned the GOP mega donors, and of course, I, I should have mentioned when you asked about the motivations why the Republicans doing that the. the a very common interpretation is that this is what their donors want them to do, and and you know one of the congressmen said that his donors were telling him if you don't get this tax cut done, don't call me again for a contribution again. I mean that's obviously playing uh, some role. Uh, I tend to put a bigger role on ideology, um, but you know they they you don't have to choose between the two explanations um one thing i'll say for ronald reagan is that he was willing to shift course if the facts had diverged from what he expected which they often did and if his uh if his aides were telling him the facts were diverging and proposing uh mid-course uh corrections he would do it and and a good example of that is the one you named that when in fact the tax cuts uh, did not pay for themselves and the budget deficit did go way up uh, which it did, uh, more than doubled, uh, let's say, between uh, as a share of GDP even, between 1980 and 1983, um, after the tax cuts have been fully phased in. Uh, when when the reality turned out to be different, it shifted course. And so they did, in 1982, raise taxes. And this is sometimes uh, called, correctly, uh, the biggest increase in taxes um, that we've had since uh, s- since 1970 uh, or earlier. um of course, it only was enough at that point that the debt that they had incurred in the meantime, uh, another another trillion dollars of debt, doubling the national debt uh, between uh, 1981 and 1984. Um, if you figure out what the interest bill is on that increased debt, the tax increase of 1982 was only enough to pay the interest on the bill, on on the debt. It wasn't enough to uh, make any progress to uh, uh, slowing down the rate of increase of debt. Uh, itself, I don't think uh, today's Republicans are uh, uh, able. At least the president certainly isn't, uh, and and some others that I could think of are are you know are able to uh, absorb information that differs from what they expected and to and to shift course. That that seems to uh, have been uh, lost.
0: Not their strong suit.
1: And not, not, Yeah, I mean, Trump, clearly. But also, I mean, George W. Bush, who, of course, looks much better uh, in, in comparison now. But but it wasn't really till the very end of his eight years that he started to give up some of his uh, cherished assumptions about tax cuts and uh, the, the wisdom mm-hmm. of, of in, invading various countries and uh, investing in little levies in, around New Orleans. And uh, during his uh, most of his term, he really stuck by his uh, assumptions.
0: Mm. So it's a matter of, in some ways... Waiting to see what what sort of legislation is is combined in the uh, the House Senate versions that arrive on the president's desk. Um, best guess uh, and and prediction. It sounds like uh, from your vantage, uh, certainly not very rosy.
1: Yes, I mean, and we know a lot of what's. What, what is going to emerge, assuming it passes, so cutting corporate tax rates, probably to 20%, although even on that, there's, they may, because uh, they're still desperately short of revenue, they may have to, uh, maybe that's a place they'll have to give away and not not go quite down to 20% on the corporate tax rate, and only go to 22%. Um, it's going to lose a, a $1.5 trillion of revenue over the next uh, 10 years. Uh, personal taxes, they're going to raise a standard deduction and leave some uh, middle class families better off and some worse off uh, in the first few years, pro- probably uh, benefit more middle class families than hurt them. Just in terms of the direct tax uh, effects, but then towards the end of the ten years, to satisfy the revenue constraint, the uh, the tax cuts for uh, working families uh, disappear, so that uh, a majority of families working earning less than seventy-five thousand will will uh, will uh, lose. Um, so, so much of that is is, is pretty clear. They're uh, clearly going to cut back on the ability to uh, uh, deduct state and local taxes from your federal taxes, but uh, exactly how severely they're going to cut back on that is, is still uh, unclear. Uh, whether this, uh, uh, the backdoor way of uh, sabotaging Obamacare goes through or not is, is not quite known uh, regarding the, the individual uh, mandate. I think they're going to abolish the estate tax uh, and there certainly will be a lot of things uh, that we don't know for sure uh, when we open the bill after it passes It's gonna be all kinds of goodies uh, For special interests mm-hmm. that we, that no one knew about ahead of time because they're rushing it through uh, So fast
0: well all I can say is I hope Big Bird survives
1: <laughs> Well the fact is uh, Big Bird no longer gets much money from the federal government anyway
0: <laughs> um, Well listen, I, I want to thank you for that fascinating if slightly depressing conversation <laughs>
1: Uh, you know, it's all depressing these days. <laughs> well
0: That's a good way to leave it. Um, thank you so much, Jeffrey. It was wonderful to talk to you.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: That's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and review our podcast and subscribe on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. And if you like our content, our annual magazine is available for order now. It makes a great stocking stuffer. Head on over to our website, prosyn.org, to order your copy. Until next time, I'm Greg Bruno.